you know what? Even when the rain falls, even when things are difficult in your life, if you got Jesus, come on, you're an overcomer. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah. Hey, small groups, just some of you, if you got that when, you're, when you were handed out, uh, I guess we hand this out when you first come in. There's small groups, small groups. I just want to remind you, small groups are starting this this week, so pick up a small group. I just wanted to tell those that are part of the Managing Money God's Way small group, we are meeting at my home. I live at 2317 Christie Court. It's spelled like Christ I Court, 2317 C-H-R-I-S-T-I Court. We're going to start at 7 um, p.m. on Friday night, so don't be late. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, we're glad you're here. Come on, tell somebody that you're glad you're here this morning. Well, we got, I got some, I'm just ready to go this morning. I'm, I'm feeling really good. I, I, uh, how many of you know that um, the, the snow is over and the moisture? Let's give the Lord some praise for the moisture. Hallelujah. We just, we definitely have needed that moisture. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to approach a subject today that, um, that we all deal with. We may deal with it in some levels more than others. You may see it in others, but I want to just ask a few questions, give you a few thoughts, talk about a few things that I believe is going to stir you today, and um, you're going to be able to see some characteristics. How many of you know Living Word Fellowship is about identity. Say identity. And in your, in your uh, bulletin that you were passed out today, I want you to really look at our mission is changing a culture for Christ. Say that. Changing a culture for Christ. We're changing a culture for Christ. And our vision is creating an atmosphere where people can encounter God's love and be empowered to love God, love themselves, and love others. That's the atmosphere that you stepped into this morning. So if you're visiting this morning, we want to welcome you. We want to tell you that we have a no-hassle guarantee. We're not going to send people by your, your house and knock on your door and, and call you three times a day. And, you know, this afternoon you're not going to get 12 phone calls from everybody to say, where are you at, what are you doing, and who are you? We have a non-hassle guarantee. What we are going to do is this. We're going to send you an email if we have your email address, if we don't, we'll send you a letter, and then we're going to invite you back. You're free to come anytime. So say non-hassle guarantee. So that's that's a pretty good thing. Our goal is to be able to to be able to help people, we'll let you understand your identity. The second thing within our vision is helping people discover their identity and fulfill their purpose as sons and daughters of God. Now, let me preface this. When I, before Christ, on the other side of the cross, before I knew Jesus, before I had a relationship with him, before I established some things in my heart for God, I was a sinner. Hello? But when I come to Christ, the Bible says that, behold, therefore, there is no now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, I become a new creature, a new species of being. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody up in here today? It was just like, I become a new creature, a new species of being. Actually, what I become is a son, or in your case, girls, a daughter of the Most High God. And our identity should not be in what we do, or what we do for a living, or 
the things that we're involved in, our identity should be in who we belong to. Can I get an amen for that? So we want to help you discover your identity and, and, and your purpose of being a son and a daughter of God. And the third thing within that vision on your handout is building life-giving relationships that impact family, community, and the world. Amen? So I want to talk a little bit. How many of you have um, a high-definition television? How many of you have a high-definition computer screen or high-definition phone? So we all know what high-definition is. How many of you know high-definition is going to make it clearer than low-definition? <laughs> It's going to make it clearer. I mean, (laughs) when we got a high-definition television, I was just like, I was watching a ball game, and I was like, I can see that dude sitting right there in the second row up there. You know, it's Shorty. Hey, there's Shorty. You know, it's like, you know, all of a sudden you can begin to see that. You know, I'd watch a basketball game, and you could actually see the person's color of their eyes. How many of you know that's good if you're looking good? And the ladies are like, amen. But the high definition is not good if you're not looking good. Come on, somebody. And so I want to talk a little bit about God's truth, God's word. And I want to bring it to you in a high definition way. Because a lot of times we have so many ideas, so many thoughts. We come from so many different backgrounds. We have so many different streams of of belief systems coming from all different denominations and all sorts of stuff, right? And, and we want to be able to look at God's Word and really come to a place where we can see it in high definition. And I want to talk about something today. I want to talk about being a son or a daughter of God. I want to talk about being a son or a daughter of God. Actually, the Bible calls the women sons of God. And I'm okay with women being called sons of God if men were okay with being the bride of Christ. Come on, somebody. So, so if you're a son of God, guys, say, I'm a son. And if you're a daughter, say, I'm a daughter. We got any sons and daughters of the Most High God in this place? Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're a son of God. And the biggest thing before I came to Christ, and then I got, I got saved. I came through the cross, through the blood, through the, through the atonement of sin, through the death, burial, and the resurrection. And now I'm on this journey. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're on a journey. So I'm on this journey, and, you know, I first got saved. I came to Christ. I'm a believer now and follower of Christ. And you can stay here if you want to. But the Bible says that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Before Christ, I was a sinner. I got saved by an event, which is God's grace through faith, lest any man should boast. But now, all of a sudden, my identity, listen, this is going to shake some of your religious beliefs. It's shaking my identity that I am a lowly, rotten sinner, a worm crawling on the ground, that I'm not any good, and it brings me into Christ saying I'm saved only by his finished work on the cross, and now I'm a child of the Most High God. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm valuable. I got purpose. I got dignity. I got honor. I got integrity. Come on, somebody. It's like, wait a minute. See, a lot of times people want to keep you over there, and God says, I want you to have you break out of what you were over there and break into what you are right now, and you're a child of the Most High God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. I'm going to take a deep breath. Maybe you know somebody, or maybe it's you, 
But here's some characteristics I want to give you of an orphan heart, an orphan spirit. Although it's kind of like in Egypt. When the Israelites were in Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, they still had Egypt in them. Before I had an orphan heart, I still operate sometimes in an orphan heart. But how many of you know I should have a heart of a son? I should have a heart of sonship. So you may know this, or somebody you may know has these characteristics if you don't want to think it's you at all. But maybe some people, you know some people that are unable to put down roots. Maybe they can't put down roots in a church. Maybe they can't put down roots in a relationship. Maybe they're afraid to to go, um, you know, into deeper, more intimate relationships. How about somebody that's always looking for the bigger, better thing? Always moving on. Just, it's bigger and better, and I'm going to go there or do this, or I'm going to be part of that. How about some people that have faith based on feelings? Oh, it feels good. If it feels good, it's got to be right. If it doesn't feel good, it's not right. My faith is not based on feelings. If my faith and my love for Shelly was, was based on just my feelings, I feel good today and not too good tomorrow. Come on, somebody. I feel more good than I feel bad. Come on. Hey, baby. Another characteristic of maybe an orphan heart is they need recognition all the time. They need recognition. I remember I worked years ago and. In the grocery industry, I spent 18 years, and I would work with some people, and then they're like, hey, I mopped the floor. And I was like, hey, that's really good. And if I didn't say that was really good, they'd get upset. But I thought they were getting paid to mop the floor. But sometimes that orphan heart is you got to recognize me, got to recognize me, got to recognize me, got to recognize me. How about sometimes if you know somebody that, Or maybe yourself, that you have feelings of abandonment, but you're not really abandoned. Or maybe you have feelings of being alone, even today, even in this sanctuary, even around a crowd of people, you feel alone. That's an orphan heart. That's an orphan spirit. How about if some of you that you may know somebody, I'm sure it's not you, but has an attitude of, don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to school. Don't you tell me what to do. There's an orphan heart that begins to come in and that operates that way. How about somebody else that may have the attitude of, I know. (laughs) I know. Deal with, maybe maybe it's your spouse. If it is, just don't, just tell them this message is good for you today. But it's just like, you know, I was just wondering, you know, you have, you kind of get upset and mad at me and, you know, when things don't go good at work and you come home and you, you, you kick the cat and you bite the dog and you, you know, you slap the kids around and you, you, you're really mean to me. I was just wondering if you realize how that helped my feelings. And they go, I know, I know, I know. But then nothing ever changes with that. That can be an orphan heart. How about they're always looking out for themselves? I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I don't care if anybody else gets them. I'm getting mine. That can be a characteristic of an orphan heart. How about somebody that you may know? How to be somebody you, you may know or wouldn't be you, but would really come into the presence of a spiritual father or mother and just not feel comfortable there, not feel welcome there. 
How many of you know that's not God? God wants you to feel welcome. He wants you to be able to know that you're a son and a child, a daughter of the Most High God. So when you're in the presence of a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, you can begin to draw on that anointing, that, that gifting that they have. How about others that you may know that reject people before they get rejected? I didn't like them anyway. The, the truth was, as you were feeling rejected, even it could be from your past, but now you're saying, I'm rejecting you before you reject me. Or maybe you're in the middle of being rejected and feeling rejected, so it's easier for you to push somebody else away before they get too close. You know, anybody know anybody like that? Yeah. They get angry. Why do they get so angry? Because that spirit, that rejection, that orphan heart of non-acceptance began to start coming in. How about some of you that may know somebody that's just cynical? Maybe they're tired of struggling. Maybe you've come to that place where you lose motivation and you you just like, I don't I just don't want to serve. I just get to the place of apathy. Are you often filled with uncertainty? Are you often filled with fears of trusting others? Fears of being intimate? Fears of building relationships with others? Are you often afraid of those things and i can look at this list and any of these might be me any of them might be you but i'm here to tell you today you're in the right place tell your neighbor say you're in the right place and now smile at him when you do that so you know because we don't want that orphan heart to come in smile at him say you're in the right place you're in the right place you're in the right place today so i want to talk to you about truth somebody say truth but we're going to look at truth not through some clouded glass not through some doctrinal point of view from some denomination. We're going to look at the truth in God's Word from what God says is true. Can we do that today? Get an amen. So turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. See, I went ahead earlier while the song was playing, and I knew the Scripture, and I opened the Bible first, so I got there for you. And, um, and I want us to begin to look at this thing because we're in the right place today. Because we've all dealt with some of those characteristics that I talked about just a moment ago. It it should have covered almost everybody in this place. But I've got news for you today, and it's going to be good news. 1 John 4, let's look at verses 18 and 19. (coughs) Everybody there say, I'm there. Okay. Um, Next one, Bob. There we go. There is no fear in love. Say, no fear. I want to stop there and I want to park there. Look at me just a moment. In our lives, when we fear, when we fear, if I fear, then it's not really of God. Now, the Bible says to fear the Lord, but that's with honor and respect and adoration. Come on, there's a diff. It's a different fear than ah, I'm afraid and I'm running to hide. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. There's a different fear. So look at what the scripture says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out. Or the Bible, another version says, perfect love displaces displaces fear. So if I have, would it be safe to say, according to this word? that if I'm fearful about tomorrow, 
then I need to come into a place of perfect love when I, my love is perfect and mature. That word can be mature. Then it will displace the fear of tomorrow because my tomorrow is in the hands of a loving father. Come on, somebody. That I have no worries. Turn to your neighbor and say, no worries, mate. <laughs> Come on, give them that little uh, no worries, mate. No worries, eh? It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out or displaces fear because fear involves punishment under the law. I operate in the punishment of fear. Because of Jesus' punishment on the cross, he has taken those sins, those transgressions, those iniquities in my life, and he has paid the consequence for those things in my life. Come on, somebody. And I can now begin to operate in what the Bible calls faith instead of fear. It says, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So we need to come to a place where we are perfected, in love. I'm maturing in my love. Every day I mature in my love for God, my love that I receive from him towards me. Because I'm telling you, the song that we sang, there's the, the, the height and the depth and the width of God's love. I mean, we can't even come to comprehend those things. But God wants us to begin to realize that faith can displace fear. Love can cast out fear or displace fear. And then he goes on and says, we love because he first loved us. So how do we move from an orphan heart? How do I move from these characteristics that we've talked about here and have a heart of a son or a daughter? How, how do I do that? Isn't that a good question? How do I get to that place? Pastor, how do I get? I wish I could tell you I could just cast it out and tomorrow you're great. That's not true. It doesn't work like that because it is being changed and transformed into his likeness and his image. And although my spirit is, is set with one in God, I still have this process in which I'm going through. Come on, somebody. Y'all understanding me today? Sometimes the world expects you to be just perfect and, and everything you know, wonderful, and you don't ever make a mistake or mess up or anything like that. And then when you do, there's condemnation comes in. I'm telling you, that condemnation is not from God. It is that orphan heart that will come in. Oh, did you hear that? It's that orphan heart that will come in and say, well, you're just not good enough. Those characteristics that we talked about. So let's deal with a couple things. I'm going to give you first, I'm going to give you a couple things. There's three things I'm going to give you today. Turn to your neighbor and say three things. Before we do that, let me just pray. Father, you are changing our identity and who we are. We want to be more like you. We want to be more like you. We want to be your hands, your feet. We know that we struggle. I know that every person here, myself, we struggle to come into our identity. But today, open our hearts to hear ourselves. Open our hearts to see ourselves as you see us. To hear ourselves as you as we hear you, open our ears today. Father, give us just a, a revelation, an understanding, wisdom of who we are and how important and wonderful we are to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. A couple things we're going to deal with. Everybody say two things. Hey, is it, by the way, has everybody got their one word? Everybody, if you haven't got your one word and you do have a word and you get a word... 
and you have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> go online, lwfchurch.com, look at a couple last few messages on the one word, one word for this 2014. Get that one word. We'd like to know your one word. So if you can email that to us through the website, you can text me, you can send it through the mail, U.S. Postal Service or whatever. You can just drop a little note in the offering baskets or leave it in Christy's office or give it to somebody, and we'll get your one word because that one word is changing my life. There's going to be testimony of this one word. But today we're going to talk about two things first. We're going to talk about two things. The first couple things are going to deal with forgiveness. We're going to deal with some issues. If we're going to move from an orphan heart to a heart that is a son and a daughter, truly a son and a daughter of God, then we're going to have to deal with a couple things. The, one, the first thing is extended forgiveness. Say that. Extending forgiveness. Extending forgiveness. You're extending forgiveness. And I could, I could give you some scriptures, but extending forgiveness just really involves... Take a deep breath with me. It involves humility. Extending forgiveness involves humility. Laying aside our hurt, laying aside our pain, laying aside our, listen, perceived right to hold another person responsible, hello, for their offense against us. Laying aside those things. And I'll give you some scriptural background and and never, most of us know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, you know, Matthew 6. He says in the Lord's Prayer that we forgive our debts. As You're right, our trespasses or debts. It's debts, and we forget those who we have debt against or have debt against us. That's forgiveness. Say forgiveness. It's forgiveness. When we begin to look at that and and we begin to say, here's the Lord's prayer. He is extending forgiveness. This is hard. Haven't, don't you have areas in your life, or is it just me? Don't you have areas in your life that there's some things just like, you know, I have really trouble extending forgiveness to that person. But when we come out of where God wants us to come out of and come into what God wants us to come into. It reminds me of Peter. Peter, in Matthew 18, he's like, Lord, how often, how many times do I forgive my brother? Remember the scripture? And it was like, here's what he meant. You can't put a number on it. How many times if he's, you know, you could break the scripture down. And I mean, when, he's, when he's come against me, when he sinned against me in one day, I mean, how many people you had somebody come back to you? And he's saying seven. Peter's like, seven times? <laughs> I'm thinking Peter's going, okay, wait a minute. This dude's only come back six times. I don't have to forgive him yet. Uh, come on. You know, Peter's like, okay, they've come back to me six times today. And I'm just like, Lord, how many times if they come back to me in one day do I have to forgive them? Because I really don't want to forgive them. And Lord, if you tell me I don't have to forgive them, I won't have to forgive them. And because you know, Lord. He says seven times, and the Lord's like, eh. Seven times seven, 49, 77. Here's the deal. It was unlimited. In a day, 
I know that we have, ne- we have, all of us have never, you know why? Because if somebody comes against us even one time or even comes back and asks for forgiveness, I mean, I, I do it constantly, honey, I'm sorry. We read a, we read a, a function yesterday and I got excited and my wife come up and I had grabbed Josiah's sweatshirt and my wife come up because she was recording over there in the other part of the stadium and, and he come up and I grabbed her, I swung my arms around her and I hit the lady who was sitting in front of me with Josiah's coat. And she goes, you just hit me. I said, excuse me? She said, you just hit me. So, you know, I told her, I said, well, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have been sitting there. That wouldn't be sonship. That's my orphan heart. But I didn't. She was sitting there, and I leaned over. I said, oh, ma'am, I am so sorry. And, and I said, you know, I was just hugging my wife, and I had my son's coat or my grandson's coat, and, and, I, and I really am sorry. And I leaned over, and I looked at her, and I said, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? And I could see the countenance on her face change. Well, see, what I really think was actually this was the group that I wasn't even going to talk about this today. This was the group that Josiah was wrestling to place in the tournament, and Josiah beat the boy, and it was part of their family. And she was mad at me because I was standing up. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, a little vocal at all. I'm just saying, go, Josiah, go. I'm like, get him, baby, get him, get him, pin him, pin him. You know, and the people behind me are going in, and I look back, and they like, got they're like, it's your grandson? I was like, yeah, I said, go for it. <laughs> I'm like, get him, get him, baby, squeeze him, squeeze him. Oh, no, y'all never do anything like that. Come on now. Pin him, and after you pin him, say, the Lord bless you and help him up. So, But I saw this work, and I wasn't thinking about it until last night we were driving home, and I thought, I actually asked the girl. I didn't have to really ask her. I, I'm sorry. I could have said, I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. Come on, we're real. We're real here. If you don't know anything about I'm real. I'm tired of 20 years ago, I'm going to strip some stuff away, God. Strip the stuff away and just let's get real on it. So it was real life stuff, and I leaned up and I said, I am so sorry. Would you? I got excited. I was just hugging my wife. Would you please forgive me? And her face was like this. And then I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, baby. Go, Josiah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I began to really see that work. So we've got to extend forgiveness. All right? And obviously, when you, when you do that, when you do that, something changes in you. Something changed in me. I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like you know what, I need to be more mature in this situation. I didn't mean to hit the lady. So I extended, I said, you know, will you forgive me? And she, guess what? She extended that forgiveness. She was like, yeah, she, she received that. There's a scripture in Mark where he talks about when you stand praying, forgive. Say forgive. Come on, everybody. Forgive. Forgive. It's not hard. As an orphan, it's not hard. But when you come into humility and honor and a sonship, you'll be able to look at a situation and say, yes, I need to ask for forgiveness. 
I need to begin to extend that forgiveness. It reminds me of the ultimate passage of Jesus. Do you remember when he was on the cross? I love this. I love it. When I look at it, I think, man, this is it. It's the ultimate passage. In, in Luke 23, 34, it really talks about, it involves humility. Jesus himself, he was laying aside his hurt. He was laying aside his, his pain. How many of you know he was laying aside being wrongly accused, falsely accused? He was laying those things aside, and he's on the cross. And he looks down, and they're saying, they're talking. How many of you they're talking trash? If you're the son of God, come on down. Come on. This is it, boy. Come on, buddy. Right? I mean, they're talking trash in modern-day language. But Jesus is up there, and it's the religious people of the day. You're the son of God. Come on down. And he looks at them. I don't even, I can't even comprehend the multitude and the magnitude of Jesus being a son of God. Instead of calling down angels to wipe them out, he looks at them and guess what he says? Father, forgive them. Forgive them! Forgive them. There's a song we sing during worship, and it's like, don't have any regrets. Say forgiveness. So if we're going to begin to look at that, we've got to make sure that we are extending forgiveness. The second thing, the second thing, if we're going to have a heart of a son or a daughter today, is seeking forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness. Now, let me preface this. This also involves humility. Okay? It requires us to lay aside our pride. It involves humility. Laying aside our pride. Acknowledging our shortcomings. Acknowledging our mistakes and our sins. Opening our hearts. How is that working? Opening our hearts to the one that we have offended. And there are times you can say, well, I went to that person and they didn't receive me. You can't control that. But if you come to the place, I'm not telling you to go around and say, oh, did I offend you today? Excuse me. Did I offend you today, ma'am? Did I offend you today? If I offended you today, I'm not talking about that. There are some areas where we know we've offended others. But you know what happens? Humility makes us vulnerable. Can I give you another real-life example? Yesterday we were leaving. We were taking pictures. Shelly hands me her purse. Excuse me. I took her purse. We were having pictures taken. I take her purse. We set it on a table over there. So we have our pictures taken and all this other stuff. I'm going to go get the truck. I go all the way out into the parking lot and get the truck. Guess where her purse is? On that table. Guess who left it there? I was thinking of every excuse that I could before she got in that truck. She came in, she's like, you got my purse? I'm thinking, it's your purse. I'm not walking around with that purse. I'm a man. I'm straight. I'm ready for some people to stand up and say, I'm straight. 
I'm a man. I'm straight. It was her purse. So I'm thinking, no, you gave me. I set your purse and your iPad. You had your iPad. She had an iPad. She brought her iPad. She had her iPad. So if you had your iPad, then you should have got your purse. So I didn't leave it on the table. It was her bottle of water. I set her purse and her bottle of water on the table. And of all them people, I left her purse on that table. And she was kind to me. She got to that truck. She said, you got my purse? I'm like, no, I don't have your purse. It was like, I could see it in her eyes. It was like, left my purse on the table. I rolled the window back up. She stormed. She, she went back into the. Help me, Jesus. She went back into the arena. All I was just so grateful. I was praying while she was gone, too. I was like, Lord, let's let that person be there. That person's not there. I'm in deep trouble. I'm also going to park this truck. I just walk home. You know, I was like, oh, my God. You know, all these things. That was an orphan heart coming in. If y'all don't know that. Then the other side of my orphan heart came in. I was like, it's her fault. I tried to blame it on her. It didn't work. I finally said, look, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? And she said, after a couple hours, no. She said, yes. So I was seeking her forgiveness and and I'm not telling you to go around and say, look, if I messed you up, then it go here for me. But there's going to be some opportunity where that you're going to be able to have to seek forgiveness. Baby, I'm sorry. Baby, I'm sorry. I just am not used to carrying your purse around. Yeah, I took it from her. Yeah, to, I want to fill in the blanks. I took it from her so she could take pictures, so... Then we were going to have our picture taken by somebody else. And she didn't know. And I went and put it on a table with my coat and her bottle of water and the Rachel stuff and all this other stuff on that table. When we went back to the table, I just grabbed my coat. (laughs) I mean, it's her purse. But see, what, what happens is this, guys. Listen. And those of you that are married and, and are not married, and whether you've been through a divorce or you're, you know, you're, you're in a marriage that you've been married 700 years, you know, and, and that. Is, how, how many years is it? is it? 57 almost. I mean, let's give the Lord some praise for that. Hallelujah. That's a, it's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. But no matter how long you've been in Christ... No matter how long you've been married, no matter how long you've given your life to Christ and how long you stayed in the world, there's still that orphan heart that wants to rise up. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's really not what God wants for us. So what happens is we have a problem with abandonment. Okay? And there was a, there was a story in this spiritual slavery to spiritual sonship. And <coughs> he talks about this guy named Barry. And some of you that have read the book. If you haven't, you, you really need to read this. And I'm not just reading it one and checking it off my list. I need a breakthrough. Amen. So and he talks about Barry. And Barry was a guy that had these characteristics in his life. He wasn't going to let anybody tell him what to do. He knew everything he needed to know. And they went to go, they went to go fish. We got any fishermen, women here? Women fish too? Yeah. And they want to fish. How many of you know when you're, when you're fishing, you want the big fish, right? 
you're fishing for the big fish. I mean, I've fished a few times, and there's little fish. I'm like, is that it? I can go buy that at the store. You know, give me something I can, give me something good. I'll throw it back and give me something bigger. Hope something bigger bites onto it. Are you a fisherman, Joe? Are you, do you fish? So Barry's a fisherman, and he wants to catch this big fish, and, and this other guy takes him out. Jack takes him out, and they get this old beat-up boat, and it's called the Bronco and they, they take it out, and it's very not really seaworthy. They go to this place where they're going to catch this big fish, and they get out there, and the weather's good, and all of a sudden the weather changes, and, and Barry's on the boat, and it gets worse. And how many of you know if Jack is a sea captain and Barry is not, and I went one time out on the coast of North Carolina. I was going to try to think if it was near where they were fishing at, and I got sick as a dog, sick as a dog with a flu. Why do we use the term sick as a dog? I got I know dogs, they aren't sick. I don't know. We, we, were, we were doing that one day. But anyways, so Barry's, Barry's out there, and he doesn't have the sea legs that the captain does, and he's calling Earl. You know what I mean? And, and he's back there. So what happens is the waves are starting to get bigger. Well, Jack, this is a true story. So Jack says he's going to stay out there. It won't be too bad. The waves become 20 to 30 feet, and they're beating on this boat, and the boat, and all of a sudden this wave, they, there's a wave they talk about where it comes almost sideways, and it meets together, and it hits the boat. It's a true story. hits the boat, and it wipes. It breaks the glass. It tears part of the wall off of the captain's quarters where he's trying to steer the boat at. He's got shrapnel and, and glass. He's cut. He's bleeding. These guys are fighting for their lives, and Barry is out on the, the deck part, and he's fighting for his life. So Jack, who is the captain i just i want just just take a minute and just listen to this he says terror threatened to overwhelm me as it rose to 18 to 20 feet 30 feet and broke across the bow right into the face of the wheelhouse there was nothing i could do but scream rogue wave it smashed into us with such tremendous force it shattered safety glass and all three forward windows tearing window frames loose from the fiberglass Tearing off the starboard wall and the windows from the wheelhouse, shards of glass exploded into me and from my neck down, ripping my shirt off. Blood was pouring from me when dozens of last small lacerations. A fragment of the window framing was embedded in my throat and right arm. The impact of the wave threw Barry into the hard deck, breaking and bruising several ribs and fingers. The wave had washed the antennas off the roof, drowned out our radio, and swept thousands of fragments of safety glass and debris into the engine room, clogging the bilge pump that normally automatically pumps any excess water overboard. We were still 22 miles from land, and with the radio disabled, nobody knew where we were and that we were fighting for our lives. Barry, remember Barry? Barry had the orphan heart. He had some of the characteristics. Barry was in agony. I was in agony. The boat was full of water. Stability was lost. We were fighting for our lives. I knew that if we stopped making headway and turned sideways, sideways into the heavy seas, we would roll over and capsize. In the water, hypothermia would render us unconscious, and a few minutes, death would soon follow. That is, the sh if the sharks, because of the blood, weren't attracted and didn't get us first, bleeding Racked with pain, struggling with every ounce of strength 
to keep the crippled boat on course, I screamed at Barry in a full Captain Blige mode. Barry, climb down below into the engine room and unclog the pumps. we got to get the water out of the boat. Barry, remember, the guy who had never liked anybody telling him what to do? Everything had to be his idea. He said, I can't do it, Jack, and he moaned, and he rolled around on the deck in pain. I'm too busted up. Barry screamed louder. I can't leave the wheel. Excuse me, Barry, he said. I screamed louder. I can't leave the wheel, and you'll turn sideways, and the, and the boat will capsize. You've got to do something. Tell you, I need to tell you what to do, or this boat is going to sink in a matter of minutes. He said, I can't do it. It hurts too much. Oh, it hurts. Barry says, get below and unclog the pumps right now, or we're going to die. I was injured more seriously than Barry, and it was all that I could do with one good arm to keep the bow of the boat pointed into the seas. With all the excess water in the boat threatening to capsize us at any moment with the village pumps clogged, Barry faced a choice to be subject to the captain's mission or die. He goes on and he says, He could have justified doing nothing by blaming me for the trouble that we were in and how poor judgment I was by keeping the boat at sea when we should have headed for land during the long, heavy weather. But something finally clicked in Barry's brain. He, Something finally clicked. Father, let something click in our very brain that we are not orphans, that we are sons, like it did in Barry's. He comprehended the peril that we were in, and he went on beyond his brokenness, and he started listening to me. He jumped up in there to help, and the first little voice that I heard, it's time for you to take the attitude of sonship. Wow. Although the great pain from his own injuries, Barry followed every command exactly as I told him. He had to do his part, and I had to do mine. We were going in full mission, finding our way home. And he talks about Barry take going down for two hours and getting the debris out and trying to clear up the village pump and getting to the top of the boat or the, to the, up to the, to the deck of the boat and throwing the stuff overboard and doing that back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, beat, busted, disgusted. Come on, somebody. And he began to start bailing water, bailing water. Long story short, they ended up coming in to the dock area. And when they got to the dock area, everybody came started coming out and they looked at the boat and never... Has anybody ever seen a boat that was able to come in in that condition? In fact, he goes on and he talks about the boat being totaled. Not seaworthy, but yet they got in on it. Barry came to a place where he realized that he needed to submit. He needed to listen to others. He needed to do away for that orphan heart. Come on, are you hearing me? And come into that sonship that God has for him. I mean, he went back, and the Bible talks about he repented to his boss at work. He repented to his the church, you know, the, the, the pastors and stuff. He'd been talking bad and done some different things. And then he goes on and shares the story, listen to this, about how all of a sudden he came under the mission of his work and of the church and everything else, and things began to change in his life. Hello? They began to change in his life, and all of a sudden he was he was honorable and he had humility towards his boss those different things began to happen and he got promoted and he got promoted and 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 god began to really give him a heart of sonship so not only do we extend forgiveness to others we're extending that 
not only are we saying seeking forgiveness, but here's the third thing real quick, and I'll, I'll finish on this. Focus your life as a son or a daughter. Begin to focus your life. Shelly and I were having a conversation this morning. What we focus on can become our perception. And perception becomes reality. Hello? How you perceive it to be. You can perceive yourself as being a lowly sinner saved by God's grace. I'm perceiving myself to be I'm a child of the Most High God. That was an event. This is a life. Come on, somebody. So when I say I'm a child of the Most High God, say I'm a son of God. You know, when I begin to start changing my perception, it doesn't make me better than anybody else, but it sure comes to a place where I know my identity and who I am. Because when that orphan heart, when that orphan spirit begins to come my way or begin those things begin to come up, I can begin to say, no, that's not me. This is who I am and this is who God's created me to be. Let me give you a couple scriptures that will kind of back up your, your focus on being a son and daughter. In Galatians 4, 7, he says, therefore, say therefore. The Bible says you are no longer a slave, but a, but a, but a, and if a son, then you're an heir through God. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Look at Galatians 3.26. Here's what it says. For you are all sons of God. How do I become a son? Through faith in Jesus Christ. How do we become born again? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I thought I'm just a sinner. I'm just a worm. I'm really no good. I'm just nothing. I'm telling you, God made you and created you in his image and his likeness. And if you're saying that about yourself, then you're saying that that God is nothing. But I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that when I come into Christ, I come into relationship with him. I am a child of the most high God. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to get better. I got to release forgiveness. I got to receive forgiveness. I got to ask for forgiveness. I got to continue to have a repentant heart. I got to do these things. Come on, somebody, give the Lord some praise in this house. See, focusing your life as a son and a daughter, this is what brings maturity. You want to grow? You want to mature? We got to begin to extend forgiveness and we got to seek forgiveness. Say, I'm a son, not a slave. Now, Jesus knew this. In chapter 5, Jesus himself, he focused on being a son the entire time as a son to his earthly parents first. He was a son to his earthly parents. Then he was a son to his heavenly father. Jesus knew this. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did was from a mindset of a son. You know what he said? He said, do I have another scripture there, Bobby? 519? In, in John 5, 19, he said, The son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, whatever the father does, these things the son does also. These things the son what? Does also. These things. These things the son does Susan, you can come and play. The main key, the main key is focusing your life as a son or daughter of God. You can focus your life on a sinner saved by God's grace, or you can focus your life on I am a child 
of the Most High King. I am royalty. I have destiny. I'm joint heirs with Jesus. I'm the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. No matter what the situation is, no matter what it looks like, I'm telling you, I am a son, and I'm going to walk in that sonship. I'm going to allow others to begin to, to speak into my life, and fathers and mothers in the faith to be able to say, hey, you got a blind spot here, and I can begin to receive those things as a son. Ephesians 6 says, talks about honor. Blessings in our life are promised the honor when we honor our father and our mother. There's blessings when we honor our father and our mother. Say honor. Say it again. Honor. We begin to honor each other. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, answered prayer and intimacy with God is promised to husbands who what? Honor their wives. Honor their wives. 1 Peter 2, 17 through 20 favor with God is found by honoring those who are in authority as well as honoring every person, every person you come across. Woo! I look back at yesterday and I wanted to honor the lady that I accidentally hit with. Here's what Jack Frost says. He says, honor involves a decision that requires a decision that is made to put your love in action. To give a person a position of high value and worth. High value and of worth. Even when you've been disappointed and hurt or wounded by that person, honor chooses to make a decision not to respond in kind. No matter what is felt coming from another person, honor chooses not to expose but to speak words that ministers grace to the hearer. Wow. Listen. Honor views each person as a precious gift of God's creation. And it grants them the position that they're worthy and of great respect. That's honor. Say honor. Honor chooses to respond not with an unwholesome word, but a word that is honoring, a word in season, a word that is grace-filled and kind. That's honor. Say honor. Genuine sonship gives honor. Do you honor your spouse? Do you honor your children? Do you honor the waitress at the restaurant, even when they spilled coffee in your lap? Do you honor the grocery store clerk? How about those that pick up your garbage? How about those that drive by your mailbox and put mail in it every day? Do you honor those that are around you? Are you honoring your co-workers? Are you, are you more after the little fish? Do you honor the little fish or just when you get the big one? All I know is fishermen never take a picture of the little fish. This is my little fish I caught. It's always the big fish. And do we do that? Do we honor others that we think are a big fish and give them a different place of honor than we do those that are little fish? Do we honor each other? Do you honor your employer? Do you honor your employees? Do 
you honor your leaders? Do you honor the church? Do you honor the pastors? The call to sonship is a call to honor not just those you think you can get something from, but honor everybody. Say everybody. As we learn and we come into our destiny, we want to be subject to Father's mission. And that's to honor everybody. Living Word Fellowship, that's what we're about. I've had people say, well, there's people who go to your church, we can go to my church. It's because we honor them. No matter where they came from, where they're going, what's going on in their life. Father's mission, what is that? That would be really to submit to one another. To do senseless acts of humility and humble yourselves, make things right with one another, keep unity and peace. Let's give away gifts that God's given us. You know what he, the greatest gift He's given us is love. Everybody say love. Come on, say love. He's given us away gifts, and that gift is love. You gift, you give that gift away. John four nineteen says, "We love because He first loved us." Forgiveness, focusing on being His son and daughter. Why don't we stand up? Let me pray for you. God wants to do some things in your life. He's wanting to change some things. Bible says wisdom and honor. Wisdom is in the left hand. Excuse me. Honor is in the left hand of wisdom. The Bible also says humility comes before honor. Let's just pray. Will you just put your hand on your heart this morning? There is a, no spirit of condemnation. We're not condemning you. I'm just saying look at your relationships. Release forgiveness. Man, you just need to let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Just put your hand on your heart. Let me just pray for you this morning. Father, man, forgiveness is not easy, but it's necessary. Just in the next moment or two, is there some forgiveness that you just need to release to those today? Those of you that are watching us on the Internet today, do this with us. Just release that forgiveness for those people that have hurt you. It's going to free you to be all that God's created you to be. Any areas in your life that you're harboring unforgiveness, just release it. Let it go, 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 let it go. There's a process. It's a process that you're starting. You're overcoming that orphan heart and you're displacing it with the heart of a son. Focus on God now. And who he says you are. Who he says you are. He says you're a child. He says you're valuable. He says you have destiny. He says you have plan. He says you have purpose. He's not counting your transgressions and your sins against you. Hallelujah. He's putting it under the blood of Jesus Christ. He's freeing you to walk in the things of God. To grow and to mature. So Father, I just release your growing people here today. We focus that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now.
if you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you to him. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. Turn around and tell three or four people on your way out that, you, that I'm a son or a child of the Most High God. Amen? God bless you. Have a wonderful evening this evening. Go forth in his power and his might. Come and let us pray for you. In Jesus' name.